I speak on behalf of our King. If I am a king, do not play with me with lip service. Give me thine heart. Give me thy life. That's what he says to all of us. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. What do you love the most in the world today? Would you give up everything else for it? You show it by your life. You can't say it to me. You can't answer me. You can't answer Him with your mouth. You need to show it by putting everything else in the shade compared to the Lord Jesus Christ, His religion, His worship, His Word, His people, His church. Let us do that this day and let us take some reminders from the Word of God. These are reminders from the High King of Heaven who knows our hearts and every thought and motivation and intent of those hearts. He wants all of you. He will not settle for second best and He will bring His judgment on those who play with His religion, who get enjoyment out of this world rather than Him because the two are contrary, the one to the other. You read Isaiah 58 last night, and if we could turn there for just a moment, just a moment, I would like to appeal to you, especially to the men. Isaiah 58. In Isaiah 58, we have set before us greatness. Our goal is not to be great for our own praise. Although we would not complain for the Lord to bless us for our comfort, Isaiah 58 is full of promises of blessing and greatness. That 14th verse says, Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. The mouth of the God that took care of Jacob. He he crossed Jordan one time with a staff. He came back the second time with so much he had to break into two bands. That God, the heritage of Jacob, the whole land of Canaan, the children of Israel, twelve sons, twelve tribes, a beautiful land, wells dug, city walls built, vineyards planted the heritage of Jacob. I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth. You will enjoy the good life. Verse 14. How do we get that? Verse 13. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor Him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. We don't observe the Sabbath as the Israelites observe the Sabbath, but we have plenty of other commandments to keep. We have a day that we call the Lord's Day. If we wanted to make a specific application of this verse to our use of Sunday, how much do we delight in the Lord, delight in His worship, honor Him, and deprive ourselves of our own pleasures to put Him and His worship first. 
You put the Lord first, He'll give you verse 14. You cheat Him in verse 13, He'll cheat you in 14. And it's so easy to see it. It's everywhere around us. You can take all the Christians you've known in your life, and other than a few exceptions, which are keeping the rules provided in other places in Scripture, you can rank them by how much they delight in the Lord and how much the Lord delights in them. Because when the Lord delights in them, He causes them to ride upon the high places of the earth. This chapter is wonderful. It tells ministers in verse 1, to cry aloud, not to spare, to lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and to show God's people their sins. And the sin here is lip service. It's coming and showing the outward ordinances without the heart, affection, or the pure lives. It describes them seeking Him daily in verse 2. But then He mocks their fasting and their worship in verses 3 through 5. I am sick and tired of seeing you bowed over, bent over and hanging in your fasting condition. Here's the kind of fast that means something to me, the Lord says, in verses 6 and 7. It's to quit oppressing men. It's to be fair. It's to be generous. It's to be honest. It's to be true. It's to provide and take care of the poor. And so He lists all the things that truly describe a godly man. And then he says in verse 8, If you'll do those things, then shall thy light break forth as the morning. This is verse 8. And thine health shall spring forth speedily. Thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy rearward. He'll take care of you front and back. All the way around he will bless. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and He shall say, Here I am. This is based on heart service. This is based on pure religion. This is the God of heaven will come and say to you, Here I am. What do you need? Here I am. What do you want? If you'll delight in Me. And notice verse 13 told us what true delighting is. 13 and 14, true delighting is your actions, not your words. It's your life, not your worship. It doesn't count what we do in here compared to the other 164 hours. We spend four here and we have another 164 that better be given to Him to have this. It says in verse 11, The Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones. Thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose waters fail not. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations. Thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. Those words should excite real men. Real men should get excited about a call from the God of heaven that men who will put the Lord first in their lives can be the real reformers. Martin Luther was not a reformer. He was a painter. He took whitewash and painted the Roman Catholic Church and called it the Lutheran Church. Here's real reformers. We live in the perilous times of the last days when men have a form of godliness without the power. They are lovers of pleasures more than they're lovers of God. And if we will stand against them and be true to the Lord and make His worship and His honor and His Word and His commandments the desirable and delightful things in our lives, He 
will bless us abundantly and we can hold the faith once delivered to the saints and not let it be lost in our city. The repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in, they that shall come of thee, your children, your grandchildren, can be this, if you will make the Lord the most important object of your life. Not with your mouth, with your feet and your hands. Isaiah 58. I just had to go there again. Because greatness is set before you in this chapter. And it's set there that you from your heart outward would put the Lord first in your life and not let our religion just be lip service. The Lord knows I don't know how to tell you about this chapter. It's a wonderful chapter. The great men that are His will read that chapter and say, I want to be that man. I want those that have my name attached to them to be the repairs of breaches. The restorer of paths to dwell in. I want to be a real reformer. And I hate that word, but you know what I mean. I mean someone that will stand for the truth in this generation. We must chase our children down. We must go after our grandchildren and help them stand this way and serve the Lord. He will cause you to be a fruitful field. He'll cause you to be a bountiful spring. Your light will burst forth. He will shower you with blessings and you'll ride upon the high places of the earth. Answer the challenge in your heart. I will be the most faithful to the Lord. Not in a competitive way to put others down, but that we can be worthy of the Lord who's loved us and gave Himself for us. Isaiah 58 is a condemnation of lip service. It's why I'm preaching this short series. We have studied the coronation of the Lord Jesus Christ in the first assembly. If you mind earthly things, if earthly things get you excited, and that's where you like to, what you like to think about, you are an enemy of the Lord Jesus Christ, number one. And number two, you are a belly worshiper. You're no different than a Buddhist. Except the Buddhist is smarter than you are. The Buddhist at least makes a fat little pot-bellied man that he can go up and rub that belly and worship it while you're worshiping your own belly. At least the Buddhist is smart enough to look outside himself. But if you mind earthly things, if you get excited about this life, if you think sports, cars, history, or anything else has any value in comparison to worshiping God, if you mind earthly things, you're a belly worshiper and an enemy of the king I described to you in the first assembly. Woe unto you. Job chapter 8. The Bible's full of warnings about the use of our mouths in worshiping the God of heaven. We know a verse, Hebrews 4.12, that says, The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. We have to do with the Lord Jesus Christ, our great high priest, and we better have more to give him than our lips. We better have more to give him than feigned religion. Job 8. Let me start with one I read to you last Sunday, because I don't want you to forget this one. The book of Job has more. It is more dense with warnings about hypocrisy than other books because 
three of those men thought Job was a hypocrite. So there's a lot stated here about hypocrites. And Job himself will chime in with what he thinks of hypocrites because he knew what the Lord thought of them. But he wasn't one. Job 8.11 Can the rush, this is a plant, grow up without mire? Can the flag, that's a plant, grow without water? Whilst it is yet in his greenness and not cut down, it withereth before any other herb. So are the paths of all that forget God. And the hypocrite's hope shall perish. Whose hope shall be cut off and whose trust shall be a spider's web. He shall lean upon his house, but it shall not stand. He shall hold it fast, but it shall not endure. He is green before the sun, and his branch shooteth forth in his garden. His roots are wrapped about the heap, and seeth the place of stones. If he destroy him from his place, then it shall deny him, saying, I have not seen thee. Behold, this is the joy of his way, and out of the earth shall others grow. All of that description is the hypocrite. You understand verses 8, 11 through 14, because that's where we went last Lord's Day. The paths of all that forget God and the hope of the hypocrite shall perish. You're trusting in a spider's web to think that you can come in and give lip service to God and avoid His judgment. You say, I've avoided it for a few years. Well, I've got Psalm 50 for you. The Lord says He keeps silent sometimes so that you'll think that He's like you. But He tells you to not forget that He's going to come and tear you in pieces. He wants your heart and soul and everything you've got. He wants to be first in your life. He demands it. He deserves it. This hypocrite will lean upon his house. He may grow up for a while. But when the Lord destroys him from his place, nobody even knows he was ever there. He just disappears right on out of existence and any favor that he might have had. You're trusting in a spider's web if you think that you can come in here and act like you're a Christian, sing along with us, answer our questions from time to time, and yet live for yourself and have your heart full of yourself. The Lord wants all we've got. Look at Job 36. He deserves all we have. He demands all we have. Job 36, verse 13. But the hypocrites in heart heap up wrath. They cry not when He bindeth them. They die in youth, and their life is among the unclean. Hypocrites in heart. You have a heart that pretends to love the Lord, but it doesn't follow and keep His commandments. You're heaping up wrath to yourself. They cry not when He bindeth them. This is in contrast to the righteous in the previous four verses when the Lord binds them and puts them in cords of affliction. They beg for forgiveness. They confess their sins. But these hypocrites don't do it. They die in youth and their life is among the unclean. That's the future of a hypocrite. And a hypocrite is one who professes to be something, but does not live that when they're out of sight of their parents or out of sight of the church or in the recesses and secret compartments of their own heart. Psalm 5. Psalm 5, the warnings about the unfaithfulness of mouths. Hypocrites in heart heap up wrath. They are piling up God's judgment against them. 
Oh, the Lord's timing is not ours. Because He's been merciful to you does not mean He's going to be merciful forever. That He's merciful at all is an incredibly great blessing. And He overlooks our hypocrisy and He overlooks it, but He expects us to repent of it and to seek Him again with our whole hearts. Psalm 5, verse 9. 5, 9. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions. For they have rebelled against thee. Notice though they have mouths, but there's no faithfulness in their mouths. And their throat is an open sepulcher and they flatter with their tongue. Oh, they can say the good things, but they have rebelled against the Lord. And so David says, destroy them. Isaiah 9. These are the words of the Lord. I am repeating them for repetition and for emphasis. Isaiah 9. We love verses 6 and 7. How about 16 and 17? Isaiah 9.16, For the leaders of this people cause them to err, and they that are led of them are destroyed. Therefore the Lord shall have no joy in their young men, neither shall have mercy on their fatherless and widows. For every one is an hypocrite and an evildoer, and every mouth speaketh folly. For all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. For wickedness burneth as the fire, it shall devour the briars and thorns, and shall kindle in the thickets of the forest, and they shall mount up like the lifting lifting up of smoke. Through the wrath of the Lord of hosts is the land darkened, and the people shall be as the fuel of the fire. No man shall spare his brother. And all of that is based on verse 17, that every one is an hypocrite and an evildoer, and every mouth speaketh folly. Folly is when we open our mouths and say that we love the Lord. We sing that we love the Lord. We pray in public about the Lord. But we do not live a life of obedience to His commandments. He has given us laws by which we are to live. And those measure our love of Him. If ye love me, keep my commandments. Is what He said. He didn't say, if ye love me, tell me in a church service four hours out of a week. He said, if ye love me, keep my commandments. And notice His judgment on those that speak folly from their mouths. They're called hypocrites and evildoers. Jeremiah 5. The church of Israel under the Old Testament was a church of hypocrites. And you know and I know that when we talk to others today, many of them will say they don't go to church because they are sick of the hypocrisy. Lord, save us from such hypocrisy. What a stain it is in the Gospel. Jeremiah 5, beginning at verse 1. Look at this desperate cry. Jeremiah 5, 1. Run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem, and see now, and know, and seek in the broad places thereof, if ye can find a man, if there be any that executeth judgment, that seeketh the truth, and I will pardon it. And though they say, the Lord liveth, 
Surely they swear falsely. O Lord, are not thine eyes upon the truth? Thou hast stricken them, but they have not grieved. Thou hast consumed them, but they have refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than a rock. They have refused to return. Therefore I said, Surely these are poor. They are foolish, for they know not the way of the Lord, nor the judgment of their God. I will get me unto the great men, and will speak unto them, for they have known the way of the Lord, and the judgment of their God. But these have altogether broken the yoke, and burst the bonds. Wherefore a lion out of the forest shall slay them, and a wolf of the evenings shall spoil them. A leopard shall watch over their cities. Every one that goeth out thence shall be torn in pieces, because their transgressions are many, and their backslidings are increased. The judgment here, Jeremiah said, well, these must be just the poor of the nation. The lower class. Let me go to the great and see if they're living consistent, sincere lives. But he found them to have tr- trying to break the bonds of the, of the commandments of God as well. Notice in verse 2 he says, Though they say, the Lord liveth. See, that's proper swearing. To say, the Lord liveth. As the Lord liveth, I'll do this, or I'll do that. Surely, they swear falsely. They open their mouths and take the name of the Lord Jehovah, but they don't mean it because their hearts are set on rebellion and they're trying to break His bonds. The prophets are full of these kind of warnings because this is the greatest danger we face. Our danger is not a political conspiracy. Our danger is not some disease epidemic. Our greatest danger is not the Mormons or the Moonies or anyone else. Our greatest danger is carnal Christianity, whereby we live with a form of godliness, but we deny the power to change our lives. We deny Jesus Christ the right to tell us how to live. And we do not give Him every aspect of our life that He demands. That is the greatest threat to us. We don't get to die at the stake. To die at the stake and to be burned alive for a few minutes before your life expired in some ways would be easier than giving your body a living sacrifice day after day in doing those things that are holy and acceptable to God. Men haven't been able to do it in the past very well, and they aren't doing it very well right now. Are we going to be different? God is calling us to be different. He's calling you right now to be different. Run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. Forget the city in Israel. Think of the heavenly Jerusalem that we're part of. Are there any faithful men there of any class? Turn to Jeremiah 42. Babylon is overrunning Jerusalem. Some of the survivors want to go down to Egypt for comfort, protection. They come to Jeremiah and say, we want to do the will of the Lord. Jeremiah 42, verse 18. For thus saith the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, As mine anger and my fury hath been poured forth upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so shall my fury be poured forth upon you when ye shall enter into Egypt. And ye shall be an execration 
and an astonishment, and a curse, and a reproach, and ye shall see this place no more. The Lord hath said concerning you, O ye remnant of Judah, go ye not into Egypt. Know certainly that I have admonished you this day. For ye dissembled in your hearts. You pretended something that was not true when ye sent me unto the Lord your God, saying, Pray for us unto the Lord our God, and according unto all that the Lord our God shall say, so declare unto us, and we will do it. And now I have this day declared it to you, but ye have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God, nor anything for the which he hath sent me unto you. Know there, now therefore know certainly that ye shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence in the place whither ye desire to go and to sojourn. You dissembled with me. You came into my house and you said, I want to hear the will of the Lord. I want to hear the preaching of God's word. And then when it was preached to you, because it was something you didn't want to do, you just rebelled against it and went ahead and did what you had planned to do all along. And that was to go down into Egypt. And I don't know what your Egypt is this morning. And we need to each examine our own hearts and find out what our Egypt is. And we better not turn down that path to go to that place. We better follow the Lord with our whole hearts. You dissembled in your hearts. God saw it and God said you are going to die in that place where you think you're going to have protection. And if you were to read the context around here, it's very good reading. As is all the Word of God, you would find out that he, would t- he told them that if they would submit to the king of Babylon and stay there in Jerusalem, they could have a good life. But instead, they want to take matters into their own hands. Ezekiel 33. You know how convicted I've been for a long time about the warning of the perilous times in the last days found in 2 Timothy chapter 3. That form of godliness without any authority in it. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. But you know, when you go look through the whole Bible, that's been a problem with God's people from the beginning. Especially the Jews. They covetous race. God said their table, their banking tables, their trading tables, their money changing tables would be a curse to them. Covetous, greedy, ambitious. Remember in Isaiah chapter 58 that we started with this this service? If they really wanted to show the Lord a fast, they should let the oppressed go free. They should give their money to the poor. They were greedy people and covetous. It's one of the greatest threats is to get wrapped up in the materialism of our society and the world around us. And we should be willing to give it up. You know, look at those spirit-filled saints in the day of Pentecost. All things were common. You need something, brother? Mine is yours. That's the way it ought to be. The Jews had a problem with that. Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 30. 33, 30. We're dealing with lip service. And look at this warning about lip service. Also, thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses. And speak one to another, every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord. And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. 
For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear thy words, but they do them not. And when this cometh to pass, lo, it will come. Then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them. When the judgment that the first 29 verses of this chapter describes, when that judgment comes, they will know that a prophet had been there to warn them. Now, I am no Ezekiel. And I'm sorry for that. But you're going to have to take that up with the Lord. They thought Ezekiel was a pleasant voice and like a musical instrument. They enjoyed to go hear him. And here you don't get any pleasant voice or pleasant noise like a musical instrument coming out of this pulpit. But I do tell you the truth of God's Word. And the truth of God's Word is when God speaks, you better obey it. It does not matter if you get away with it for a week, a year, or a decade. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Then you'll know that you were warned. How many times have I said to you to remember this day? And today I say, remember June 3rd, 2007, the year of our Lord. If you do not turn from your foolishness and anything that competes with the Lord Jesus Christ, He will judge you in your life. Their mouth, they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. There are many, many more. Turn to Micah, the little book of Micah, chapter 3. Micah, chapter 3, verse 8. This is the word of the Lord to all of us. But truly, I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord, and of judgment, and of might, to declare unto Jacob his transgression, and to Israel his sin. Hear this, I pray you, ye heads of the house of Jacob, and princes of the house of Israel, that abhor judgment, and pervert all equity. They build up Zion with blood, and Jerusalem with iniquity. The heads thereof judge for reward, and the priests thereof teach for hire, and the prophets thereof divine for money. Yet will they lean upon the Lord, and say, Is not the Lord among us? None evil can come upon us. Therefore shall Zion for your sake be plowed as a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps, and the mountain of the house as the high places of the forest. Jerusalem would be left desolate, and the Babylonians left it desolate. It was plowed like a field. It was turned into rubble, and Mount Zion was nothing like, was nothing but the high places of the forest, overgrown with vegetation. Why? Because they said, is not the Lord among us? Isn't it good, brethren, to be part of the remnant? Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today? Is not the Lord among us? None evil can come upon us. Even though there's an army marching toward us, a fierce army, a great army from Babylon, And even though these prophets have told us they're coming for us, none evil can happen to us because we're the Lord's people. But he said, you have filled Jerusalem with your sins. And therefore, I'm going to level it. 
We cannot comfort ourselves with such words. We can only comfort ourselves and protect ourselves with lives that obey His commandments. One more. Amos chapter 5. Go back a few pages, please, to Amos chapter 5. And with this, I'll end. I hope you can hear. Did you hear that prophet Micah? When he said, hear me, hear ye, ye heads of Jacob. Old and New Testament alike. You know what the Apostle John would say? That man who saw the Lord Jesus Christ and gave us that wonderful description of Him earlier today? He would say, He that saith, He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. We can sit here all day long and say, we know what the real Lord Jesus Christ looks like. And if we don't keep His commandments, we are liars, and the truth is not in this place. Amos 5, verse 21. These are the words of your King. I hate, I despise your feast days, and I will not smell in your solemn assemblies. Though ye offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beasts. Take thou away from me the noise of thy songs. For I will not hear the melody of thy vials. But let judgment run down as waters and righteousness as a mighty stream. Do you hear the God of heaven what He wants? We are this day distributing among ourselves a CD of our recorded singing. And yet the Lord says, I hate and I despise all your feast days and sacrifices that you offer to me, take thou away from me the noise of thy songs. For I will not hear the melody of thy vials. I will not listen to your music. I don't care if you think you're singing to me. I don't want to hear it. This is what I want. Let judgment run down as waters and righteousness as a mighty stream. Let your lives be known for their judgment. That is doing what is right and fair and godly and true in every situation. And let your righteousness be like a mighty stream. Make righteousness the most important thing in your life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He does not want our fine singing. He does not want our worship in this room. He wants our lives in and out of this room. He wants our righteousness. He wants our judgment. He wants us doing what is right. May God bless each of you. May God stir us up. May God convict us and incline our hearts toward righteousness and judgment like the Lord Jesus Christ who had a right scepter. He loved righteousness and He hated iniquity. May that be true of every one of us lest we be guilty of the terrible sin of giving Him lip service even singing and not living it. May Jesus Christ, by the power of His Holy Spirit, 
grant you the conviction and repentance to change this very minute as we turn to sing praises to Him. For we ask it in His name. Amen.